Hey guys, and welcome to the Catchy Lecty Podcast. My name is Patrick, and I am a Nazarene pastor in Colorado, and I'm joined today with Chris, who is a Nazarene pastor in Ohio. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Patrick? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Today, we are going to be looking at Lent 6, which is Palm Sunday or Sunday of the Passion, and we will be discussing Isaiah chapter 50 verses 4 through 9a. Uh, So there's a lot that um, can be said about this passage, um, and we'll get into that. I think what I first want to say is that year C in the lectionary is typically um, more passion-focused rather than palm-focused. And so it can uh, change the way that you preach this Sunday or even maybe some of the liturgy or aspects of worship that you utilize on this Sunday. Um, So Chris actually has a different perspective than I do because he's always more palm focused. Uh, And then for me personally, when I get to year C, I'm more passion focused. So one of the things that I've done in the past with uh, Passion Sunday, uh, beginning Holy Week is that instead of having kids bring in uh, palm branches, you can actually find dried out palm leaves that are formed and shaped into um, the symbol of the cross. And the reason why you would probably emphasize more of a passion rather than a celebratory um, Sunday is doesn't necessarily have to do with uh, a more, I would say, maybe evangelical version of of passion, which is that Christ has bore our sins and an atonement model. But it would it's more of a reminder for the people of God, for the church, um, to die to themselves, to take up their cross, and to follow follow after Christ and become more of servants rather than, um, I guess, grateful people who just accept Christ's sacrifice for us. So that's kind of the main difference between um, a Passion Sunday and a Palm Sunday. Uh, does that sound good, Chris? Yeah, I was thinking as you're talking, um, the reason we are able to focus on Palm Sunday is in our place. We have chosen to participate in Maundy Thursday and Good Friday in significant ways. And so it it allows us, it allows us to sort of have all of those days during Holy week. But I wonder if in some locations or uh, traditions that if, if Holy week isn't, isn't something that people are comfortable with because of, their historical understanding of it. I wonder if doing the liturgy of the passion would sort of help begin to bridge that gap for people. Cause one of the struggles is right. You go to Palm Sunday and in the evangelical world, you go to the triumphal entry and then you go to the resurrection right. and you never have to deal with anything in the middle. Right. 
And I think that like more pragmatically in, in a lot of evangelical churches that are liturgical, that's the way that it has been used is that the passion Sunday has been used to just kind of set up Easter Sunday. Um, and they just kind of skip over Holy week. But I would say, even if you are a church that participates in Holy week, um, you can still use the passion Sunday as a way to reflect upon what it means to be the bride of Christ or even the body of Christ in this world. And what, what does it mean to share in, in his passion so that we can share in his resurrection. Um, where I think like on Monday, Thursday, it's really still, it's still easy and maybe even accurate to get caught up in, in the whole atonement, atonement piece uh, that is prevalent around this time of year. And maybe even should, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not arguing that we need to do away with the atonement of Jesus. I'm just saying that, what I like to use Passion Sunday, the uh, liturgy of the Passion for on Sunday, on this Sunday, is to associate us with the Passion rather than just find gratitude for Christ's Passion, which is what I tend to use Monday, Thursday for, and Good Friday for anyway. Yeah, this definitely allows you to. Uh deal with this in a more fully orbed way. I like, I like, I've never done, I've never focused on the passion more than Palm Sunday, the liturgy of the palms, but, um, Georgia and I are going to have to talk about that now. (laughs) Well, and and at least for year C, at least for year C. Yeah. And I think for me too, like I get, I mean, I'm still on Marcus Borg's whole, uh, Palm Sunday idea that, uh, you know, about like how Jesus came in on a donkey and usually at this time, you know, Pilate is coming in on a white war horse. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, and I've I've been stuck in that whole idea for like the past couple of Palm Sundays. So this will be a good way for me just to kind of break free from that. Even though it's really good, this is still a good way for me to break free of that and to talk more to the people about what our role in the passion is. So cool. Yeah. Hey, so do you want to read it for us? Yeah, let's read it. So it's Isaiah 50 verses four through nine a, and I'm going to be reading from the new revised standard. And this is what it says. The Lord God has given me the tongue of a preacher that I may know how to sustain the weary with a word morning by morning. He wakens wakens my ear to listen to as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I did not turn backward. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. I did not hide my face from insult and spitting. The Lord helps me. Therefore, I'm sorry, the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. My adversaries, let them confront me. It is the Lord who helps me. Who will declare me guilty? All right. 
So the initial shot, uh, thoughts again, um, is just from, for me personally, is that as I read this text is that it's really easy to associate it, the, the idea of the suffering servant with, uh, the Christ during Holy week and the passion. Um, and I think that that's, I think that's a legitimate association. Like I, I don't think that we should uh, shy away from that. But I think also in this text, because the servant goes unnamed and because it's set in this really poetic kind of um, eschatological scene from second Isaiah, that we could also associate the suffering servant with the body of Christ, with the church. Um, and that, that yes, gratitude is a required response, but it shouldn't be the only response to this text on, um, Palm Sunday or Passion Sunday, um, that in both the passion of Christ and this idea of the suffering servant of God, um, that it's a, a call to us to recognize who we are to be, um, that we aren't to be, a people who desire our own safety and security, but we should be a people who strive to be, to live a life that is in the service of God and in the same manner as Christ. Are you there? I'm here. This is second still remind me of the breakup of second and third Isaiah. So I think uh, Second Isaiah goes all the way into like uh, fifty-three, maybe. Okay. So this is still. I, I thought that was right, but this is still where the Deutero Isaiah is probably speaking to people who are in exile, struggling with this sense of I identity and everything that they've lost and trying to figure out what what it is to look ahead that's that's right correct correct and did the second isaiah goes all the way to 55 not 53 my bad okay but yeah so the people so the the people in exile in babylonian exile are still looking ahead it's still future oriented and it's still about the, the new thing that's going on. And then um, the suffering servant actually goes into chapter 53. So it starts at 50 and I think can go, can be carried all the way into 53. Yeah. So you have this sense of, like you said, I mean, it's this very real sense of participation with not on behalf of, that's going on in these texts. Right. Um, you know, whether, whether you say the people are being called to participate with the servant or, and, and I think the way that I would maybe look at it is, is the servant who participates with the people in their suffering. Um, yeah. But none of that, none of that is to say that there's any kind of, uh, someone else suffers so we don't have to, but rather the servant joining in with the suffering in order to bring redemption. Yes. Almost that Maltmonian um, kind of idea. 
right? Am I right yes. in saying that? Yeah. So it's ominous and yet it's very hopeful at the same time. Right. That it's through our suffering or even as Isaiah says it, through our wounds or through his wounds, we find redemption. So it's not a call to disregard suffering, but it's actually a call to, to fully embrace it. What I'd like to call one of the paradoxes of our faith. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, which doesn't make sense to our culture. So I would say that like in the dead weight series, what holds us back is our idea that we need to be triumphant, that we need to be conquerors, that we need to be warriors who defeat the evildoers by means of a violent path. Yeah, that almost doesn't even make sense of a lot of Christianity that we see these days, right? Right. Well, because we get our we get our mythology from the stories that we tell ourselves, and what are the stories that we tell ourselves? John McCain and Die Hard, which I'm a fan of, but still John McCain and Die Hard, or the Avengers, or. Maybe not so much the Avenger, the Avengers, the most recent Avengers. That one, even though it really didn't have a strong story plot, the whole idea at the end was kind of unique, <laughs> and probably was fit more with, probably fit more with this idea of suffering servant. But the first Avengers was totally like, um, you know, like we're gonna overpower the people. Yeah. 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 Overpower our enemies. And so like or so that's the stories that we get. Well, and this is incredibly hopeful that we are called to participate and yet there are these texts that say therefore I've not been disgraced. Um let us stand up together. The one who vindicates me is near. Who will declare me guilty? So these rhetorical statements and questions that say, this, this is not going to defeat. We're ultimately destroyed. Right. Well, and again, and so like even, so again, the hope though is not even in us or our actions. So there's a responsibility in these passages that call us to kind of participate in the reality, um, in this new reality of God, but it still remains that it's God who's the primary subject and who's doing the primary acts. Right. Right. Very yeah. much so. Right. So like there is a call to participate. There is a call to cut off the dead weight that's holding us back to, to pull coals into the systems that have failed us and to name them for what they are. But then to also trust God that God in the end will vindicate us, but not in a, not in like a retributive way, but more in just like a reconciling way. 
that it'll finally be made whole and that our suffering will actually reveal truth. Well, and this isn't some call to uh, a kind of masochism or uh, what's the other word I'm thinking of? Yeah, like, like we should seek to find ways where we're being ghettoized as Christians and sort of rejoice in all of that. That's not that's not what this is right. going. Like no, yeah, this isn't a call to like victimization. Right, right. That's the word I was thinking of. Yeah, but it is a call to recognize that the path ahead of us is going to be hard. Right. Yes, I'm sorry. I was reading through the text again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is a, I think it is a call that, that, so, so what I'm thinking of in this passage is that we desire to justify our actions through means of force and violence. Um, whether that be saying, well, one day you're going to get yours. Um, and that's kind of the right. more victimized victimization thing is that one day you're going to get yours. So I'm just going to let you beat me up because I know that that revenge is coming. And I think that's a form of violence or it's the, well, might makes right. And so, you know, we're going to conquer you, which are really kind of just like, like two sides of the same coin is in that. Yeah. Yeah. But this text is more of a, is more of saying, no, there's actually redemptive power when we find ourselves in solidarity with, with the failings of the system, when we confess that our ways have failed. And when we point out that the systems that should keep order and justice are actually creating disorder and are being unjust. And we, and because we declare that we were, we are going to begin to suffer, but don't worry because in the end, God is going to redeem all of it, including the systems that have suffered with us. So both the oppressed and the oppressor will learn how to participate in this salvation which is completely different than saying, well, in the end, you're going to get yours. Right. It comes back to that participation for all. Mm-hmm. That's enough should, to get you in trouble this Sunday. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Cool. Well, from this point on, we're going to be looking into our uh, Easter series. Uh, I'm pretty pumped about that. Uh, So I hope all of you can join us as we uh, start to unfold. Revelation, I think, is is the main scripture passages that we're going to be looking at once we get into Easter. So if you guys are curious in finding uh, more media, you can catch Check us out at catchylecty.com um, or Facebook forward slash catchylecty on that page where you can leave comments and share with us what you're preaching on or how, um, how you've taken these texts and have interpreted them in your own context, which we would love to hear. 
my name is Patrick Ingle, and you can find me at faithcommunitynaz.church or on Twitter at Patrick Glenn. It's P-A-D-R-A-I-C-G-L-E-N-N. It's really confusing. And I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can find Chris at... Uh, you can find me at cfcn.org or you can get me at Twitter at CRPOK. There you guys have it. Uh, we look forward to just hearing back from you and to hear how your preaching is going in your context. Grace and peace to you all.